Hey everybody, my name is Chris McDaniel, the lead pastor here at Trinity. Happy Easter to you. Brad just shared about the RIP Medical Debt Initiative, and we are so excited to do this kingdom work. I can't actually think of a better, more Easter-oriented thing for us to do. So I hope that you will give generously and spread the word among your friends and family. Now we're going to read from the scripture. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Revelation 21. We're going to read the first six verses and then pray and see what the Lord has for us on this Easter Sunday. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And see the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty... I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then let's jump in and see what we can see. Holy Spirit, we ask for wisdom and truth in your word. God, many of us, this is not our first Easter. Many of us have heard and thought about some of these things. And so we ask Holy Spirit today that you would animate our hearts and our spirits to see truth in a fresh way. God, we ask you to open us up to hope and life and what resurrection really means. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Everything is new. The, the passage here in Revelation, and this is where we're going to be through the whole Easter season, is looking at the newness and the beauty of a new world, a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth. Y'all, Easter is a powerful season and we welcome you to it today. I don't know how you grew up, but if you grew up like me, I thought of Easter as one day and then it was over. But we celebrate Easter here in the Anglican tradition as a great 50 days. Y'all, the resurrection is such a big idea that it takes more than one day to wrap your head around it. So for the next 50 days here at Trinity and at churches all over the world, we're going to be affirming the beauty and power of Jesus' resurrection, of new life and what it all means. We're essentially going to be telling you where your story is headed if you belong to the Lord. So during this season, I want to call you to feasting. If during the Lenten season we fasted, now we're going to feast. I want to call you to celebrate with friends and family, to pick up redemptive hobbies, to um, lean into and live into what life really means. Because y'all, the resurrection was something that happened to Jesus' body and many of us have grown up in Christian traditions where we've been a little fuzzy about what resurrection means. And the resurrection for Jesus meant that he was physically alive, and then he became physically, really, permanently dead, and then he became physically alive again. Jesus did not become a flickering hologram like Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars stories. He did not become like a memory or an image that you couldn't touch. See, the whole thing with Jesus' resurrection was that you could see the nail marks in his hands. You could hug him. He ate fish. 
but he also could walk through doors and walls. What happened to Jesus in the resurrection was that his body had been freed of death and decay forever and new life emerged, a kind of unhindered life shot through with the glory of God. And y'all, it took the early church a long time to wrap their heads around exactly what resurrection meant for Jesus and for us as Christians. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at how God is going to resurrect and renew the earth and you because of what God has done in Jesus Christ, our Savior. So let's look at the passage. The first thing we see here is that heaven and earth will experience a complete resurrection and renewal. The picture here is that God's space, heaven, and our space, earth, are going to be completely restored and reborn. If you've spent time at Trinity, you've probably heard me talk about a four-part story. The Bible, I think, you can understand the whole of Scripture in four parts. A good creation, a fall, redemption at the cross, and then the restoration and renewal of all things. What we see in resurrection is restoration. It's that God is going to take that which has been decayed and he is going to remake it or resurrect it or rebirth it. So what we see in this passage in Revelation 21, the very last chapter of our Bible, is that our story ends in a massive renewal. God will not abandon his project. And if you're anything like me, you need to hear this, maybe especially during this season, that God doesn't leave things just halfway done. He's not going to leave your life or mine sort of redeemed but sad and broken. He's going to not only redeem us, but he's going to resurrect us and renew us. And so what we see here is that at the very end of our story, even the threat of death is destroyed forever and ever. Y'all, Jesus said his resurrection, he kills death. I just want you to stop and think about that. We've lived for the last year with death all around us. COVID and violence in our streets and we've seen the worst really in some ways that death has to offer and so today on Easter Sunday we as Christians stand and we look at Jesus and we say death will not have the last word death will not win sometimes right now it feels like it is winning but our story your story is heading in a direction where even death will have no say over your life we will live forever but we'll not just live a disembodied life. We will live an embodied life forever. The second thing we see in this passage is that the holy city, the new Jerusalem, will come down from heaven, from God, and be established on the earth. And that is a really powerful idea that some of us maybe were not taught because we haven't actually read our Bibles thoroughly like the first century Jews did. See, the idea here is God's world will then come down and be remade on our world. And I think this is really important and frankly an area of confusion here. The city of God will ultimately take over a whole entire renewed earth. It's amazing when you think about the Bible that it began in a garden, but it culminates in a massive redeemed and renewed city. And so I want you to think about God's space, heaven, which is not necessarily up geographically or physically. These images help us to see that God's space is above, is greater than our space. But God's space coming and moving into our space actually brings a sense of renewal and power to this future that God has for all of us. Here's where we have to clarify our thinking, church. Our ultimate destination, 
Your ultimate home is on a renewed earth in the new Jerusalem. There's a two-step process. And I've heard N.T. Wright, the Bishop of Durham, he's now a professor at Oxford in England. He's probably my favorite biblical scholar in the world. He said that resurrection... The ultimate resurrection that we read about in Revelation 21 is a two-step process. It's life after life after death. See, here's what Christians believe. Life after death is heaven. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And right now, your grandmother or brother or sister or friend who's lost their life, if they belong to Jesus, they are resting with Jesus. They are resting with God in heaven. But that's not resurrection. They're not yet resurrected. The Bible tells us that at the end of all time, the resurrection will happen, which is when those who are in heaven will be resurrected and we will get our redeemed bodies back just like Jesus did. See, it can't be different. Jesus goes first, we follow him. And so the idea of a renewed earth means that God is going to actually bring his fully embodied life to bear in a fully embodied earth that has been renewed by the new Jerusalem. Y'all, we're gonna live out an amazing physical existence with God in the resurrection. That is what our Bibles teach us. That's why physicality matters. That's why this earth matters. Because God is not going to abandon the project of this earth. He's going to remake it with his glory and his power and his resurrection. And he's going to do something here that we can hardly even fathom or imagine. It's interesting for me to note in this passage that there will be no sea in the renewed earth and some of you love to go on vacations at the beach and you're thinking wait a minute why would there be no sea we've said it and joked about it here at trinity but i'll say it again for the jews the sea represented uncertainty and chaos the jews were not vikings they did not go exploring the oceans and so almost every time in the hebrew bible you see the sea mentioned it means something scary something overwhelming and what we see here at the end is that the jews are saying there will be nothing overwhelming and frightening in god's great future you and me will be perfectly at ease could you even imagine what it would be like to live your life without any fear I don't even think we can fathom it because we all live with a low-grade fear and anxiety of the uncertainty of life. And what we see here is that that will be eliminated in God's great future. You will be brave, at ease, and at rest because of the resurrection. The third thing I want to tell you about this passage is that Christians, people like you, will fill the city of God, the new Jerusalem, on a renewed earth and will make it beautiful. There are two things here that we have to think about. The city will be beautiful. It will remind you and me of an adorned bride. That's what the text says, that we are the bride of Christ. We actually make this place beautiful because we belong to God and we are prepared for him. But the second thing that makes this city beautiful is that God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will be physically present in the city. As heaven comes to earth, God comes to earth and he lives in the middle of the city. We see later in the end of our Bible that there will be no sun or moon, that God will be the sun. He will be the moon. He will illuminate everything that needs illuminating. So I just want you to imagine where your story's headed. Right now we live in the shadowlands. Right now everything seems so unclear and we walk by faith, not by sight. But at the end of our story, our lives will be illuminated by the very heart of God. Your story is moving toward a climax where you will be safe, secure, full of courage, and God will be your light. 
And that leads me to the last thing I want to say to you. What we see in this passage is God speaks. He actually speaks in the book of Revelation in this chapter for the first time since the very first chapter. And when God speaks, he says something or some things that we need to hear. I think these are Easter things. But before I tell you what he says in summary, I want to say this. You were made to hear the voice of God. And many of us as Christians have made hearing God too hard a thing. We thought, well, that's for like professional Christians or pastors or prophets or my grandmother who prayed seven hours a day. She could hear God. I, I can't hear God. And I just want to say, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. You were made to hear the voice of God. This is why I sit still every morning with my Bible in my hand and my heart open to God because I want to tune my ears to hear God. Well, I want you to hear God right now. I want you to hear what God says right now over you. He says these things. Number one, he says, I will be your God and you will be my child. That's what he says in this passage. You, if you belong to Jesus, are Abba's child. And if you do not belong to Jesus, he longs that you would be his child. Not his servant, not his slave, not his worker, his child. And children belong and children are safe and children are secure. And God says, I will be your God and you will be my child. We need to hear that. That is the word of God to you. The second thing God says in this passage is, I will wipe away every tear. Elsewhere we see in our Bibles that the Lord collects our tears in a bottle that he listens and remembers well here we're told not just that he'll keep track but that he will end our grief and our mourning and many of you listening to me today need to hear that your grief and your mourning that you have experienced this year and throughout your life is going to come to an end and every tear will be wiped away God will help heal our pain that's his word to you I will wipe away every tear the third thing that God wants to say to us is death will be no more. I want you just to sit with that for a minute. Death, the thing that ultimately gets all of us, the thing that ultimately wins, the, the thing that haunts us and causes us to be afraid. Do you know that Americans spend like 70 or 80% of all of our healthcare dollars in the last year of life because we're afraid of the inevitable death? Well, here God looks at us and says, there will come a day where death will be no more. Jesus conquered death and you one day will live a death-free eternity in your redeemed body. That's what the Bible says. So the thing you're most afraid of, ultimately there will be life on the other side of it. That's resurrection. Resurrection is life and then death and then life after death. Here's what Jesus or the Father says next. He says, it is finished. Meaning that God is able to rest because he finishes what he starts. And I want to say this to you. Your life, if it's anything like my life, feels like an unfinished project. Maybe like that collection of half-finished things around your house. God finishes ultimately what he starts. So your life, he will bring it to completion if you will but remain with him. But here's the last thing I want to say. God looks at us. And he says, the last words in verse 6, I will give you water to drink. And water to drink speaks of deep, abiding satisfaction. As we step into the great 50 days of Easter, I want to say to you, the Lord wants to satisfy your soul. 
And many of us feel a sense of um, a dissatisfaction, a sense of angst, a sense of maybe a kind of gnawing feeling that things are not like they ought to be. And I just want to say to you, one of the miracles of Easter is that you and me are going to be satisfied in the reality of the presence of God. So I want you to begin to imagine what satisfaction would look like for you. So we've got just a few questions I want to put before you for your reflection, either journaling or discussing with friends or family here on this Easter Sunday. And they're going to come up on the screen. You can hit pause um, however you want to do this to capture them. But here's some tracks to run on. Number one, how do you plan to intentionally celebrate during this Easter season? I think it would be good to make a plan. What are you going to feast? How are you going to hang out with people? What hobbies are you going to engage? Number two, I think it would be a good opportunity for us to reflect on the physical nature of the resurrection. So not Obi-Wan Kenobi as a hologram, but a touchable Jesus. I want you to think about that. And I want you to ask this question. Is the idea of a fully embodied resurrection on a renewed earth, is that new to you? And if it is, let's just talk about it. Let's reflect on it. I would commend to you N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by Hope, if you want more on that front. And number three, what might God be giving you to bring satisfaction, that satisfying water? What might satisfaction look like for you in this season of your life? We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, but before we do, I just want to say if you um, have not got, grabbed communion kits, you can come up to our church during the week and receive communion in your home, pick up kits for, uh, from us for you. And also, if this is your church, it's an opportunity to give. But if you're just checking us out or listening from further afield than Atlanta, y'all, everything's taken care of. We are honored to be a blessing to you during this season. Let's pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Happy Easter. Go in peace. <laughs>